That's a great way to start. Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. And we are here to call the name of Jesus, focus our attention upon him and him alone. And so we thank you for taking the time and the opportunity to join our services today. If this is the very first time you've been here, we'd love for you to take the guest card in the pew in front of you, fill it out in its entirety. When you leave today, just drop it in one of the offering boxes. We would certainly appreciate that. Please join me, if you would, at a time of prayer. And then we're going to continue our time of worship, lifting our praises up to God. Father, thank you for the opportunity and the time this morning that you have given us. We are blessed beyond measure. And Father, as we begin this new year, we are thankful that you've given us the opportunity to minister, to continue to serve you, and most importantly today, to lift up your name in praise. For it is you that loves us unconditionally, and Father, we embrace that. And through our lives, we want to allow you to use us powerfully. So this morning, help us to experience you and your presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. If you are comfortable standing, I would invite you to do so as we begin with shout to the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. There is none like you, Lord. <clears throat> Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every Praise to the King, mountains bow down and the seas will pour at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands, forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I I simply come 
and all our praises go towards you. Lord, it is you. It is the reason why we are here today. Father, I just thank you for all that you've provided for us. And Lord, thank you for the fact that you've written my name down in the book of life. Lord, I just pray that everybody here would have the same opportunity to come before you and to praise your name and to glorify you. And Lord, today as we're listening to the words that pastor's going to preach, we're just asking that those words were written upon our hearts and draw us closer to you and to realize your, your love that you've given towards us is beyond all measure. And Lord, again, I'm just thankful for all that you do and, and for all the blessings that you shed upon us. And Lord, I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. 
hope this is your prayer for the new year. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God.
like us to do that last line, a cappella, these two phrases. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Sing it with me. I'd rather have Jesus than Church. Our scripture reading this morning's from the New Testament, the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10. Follow along and be blessed as these words are shared, either in your Bible or on the screen. Verse 10 reads, I want to know Christ. Yes to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. We are grateful for the blessings offered by this reading, for this is the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. An old, old hymn written back in 1925. I chose for today because of our emphasis the rest of this month and beyond on prayer. And this old hymn is entitled, Teach Me to Pray. If you've not sung it before, I think you'll know the fourth verse by the time we get there. So let's sing together, Teach Me to Pray. Grant me thy power, 
pupil ask his rabbi this question. Why didn't the Lord supply all of Israel's needs for the manna for an entire year at one time rather than day by day? And the rabbi answered with a parable. He said once there was a king who had a son. And the son grew and he began to give a yearly stipend to him. And so over the course of time, the son would come less and less and less to see his father, the king. Until finally, it was just once a year, the day that he received his yearly stipend. And so the king was disappointed, you can imagine. So he changed his plan. He told his son, from now on, when you come, I will give you just what you need for that day. And so the son, I'm sure not very happy, started coming every single morning. Every single morning he would get what he needed for that particular day. What was interesting was, though, the dialogue that began to take place every day. You see, without realizing, the son didn't know that he needed his father's unbroken love, his companionship, his wisdom, and his giving, the focus, every single day. Sometimes we have been believers for so long that we believe that we know the scriptures well, and many, many of us have lots of scriptures memorized. And we know that we have this constant relationship with God because his spirit lives inside of us. But the issue comes in a little different way. Sometimes we can just take it for granted. Sometimes it is possible that we began to drift a little bit from that relationship. You see, this is exactly how God dealt with Israel. He gave them the manna every day to keep that understanding that they had a dependence upon him and all that he would give them. And that's also how he deals with us as well. We may not realize it, but we need our Heavenly Father's unbroken love and companionship and wisdom and giving. And this is why the intimacy with God is so vital. The scriptures suggest four reasons to develop that intimacy. This is the first in the series of a couple of sermons as we prepare for our Going Deeper with God conference uh, later on this month. Sometimes we just don't realize a little bit of a drift between us and the Father. Because there are times in our life when we have been very close and, and, and very deep and that relationship and that fellowship is something else, but it's easy again, to take that for granted. The scripture gives us indication that intimacy with the Father comes through fellowship with him. You know, it's natural to want to communicate and to have a, a relationship and to grow closer with those that we love. And as a child of God, we should have a deep desire for a greater intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Now, why is that? The question would say, well, of course, we love God. But why do you love God? Why do you have the capacity to love God? The scripture tells us in 1 John 4, 19, we love because 
he first loved us. We wouldn't even have the capacity to love if he had not loved us first. He created us in his image. He created us for fellowship with him, for a relationship with him. And that relationship obviously was broken when we chose to sin. But through Christ, he's brought that relationship back with us. And so we love God because he first loved us. It wasn't our own initiative. He's the one that took the initiative. And then the question, how do you know that God loves you? Well, again, 1 John chapter 4 gives us great insight. Verses 9 and 10 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. Sometimes we think we're doing God a favor when we love him. And the reality is that while he appreciates obedience and sacrifice, the reality is that he's the one that initiated. He sent his son, the scripture says, his one and only son that we might live through him. The only way to have that relationship with the father is through his son, Jesus Christ. He said, this is love, not that we loved God, not that we made a decision to say, okay, I think God is the Savior through his son Jesus, so I'm going to initiate that. It's God who initiated that, and that should build such a, a deep desire in our heart that he loves us so much, even in the midst of our sin, that, that we would want to spend time with him and deepen in our relationship with him. <coughs> God's love is not based or affected by our failure to return that love. The reality is that our human love grows weak. It diminishes when we don't have a daily walk with the Father. And so if, if we spend just a few minutes just kind of quickly connecting with God, he appreciates that. But what he really wants is he wants some of our time he wants that relationship. He wants us to spend time in prayer, in Bible study, to deepen that relationship. So a daily time with God in building that intimacy is so vital and so important to have that close relationship. And I want to emphasize again, the ability to have that kind of relationship with God is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, which I appreciate uh, so much the reading this morning. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. That verse is such a powerful verse. Here Paul listed three things that we receive in our communion with God, our deepening relationship with God. Number one, we get to know Christ. And that word know has an understanding of a deep, intimate relationship with God. You don't have that kind of relationship with a lot of people. But with God, he says, I, I want to, he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know him so thoroughly, so intimately. 
that there's this, this incredible bond. And I want to know the power of his resurrection, he says. What brought Christ out of the tomb? It's the power of God. And Paul says, I want to know that kind of power. And you know what? You can. Because when you come to know Christ, you come to understand and know that power. And then he says, I want to have, share in the, the fellowship of suffering, of his sufferings. And most of us don't like to suffer. But look beyond just the mere words. The fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. His sufferings brought life, brought eternal life. He says, I, Paul says, I want to do everything I can to be like him even in his suffering, so that the gospel, the light of the gospel, can be communicated to everyone. And then he says, I want to become like him in his death. And our initial reaction is, he, he suffered when he died. Yes, that is correct, but the reality is that he finished. He finished his purpose. Ascended to heaven after his resurrection to come back again. But the atonement was done. Paul says, listen, I, I want to finish the purpose that God has given me. That he has provided the opportunity for me. So when we have this intimate relationship with God, we have this understanding of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering so that we're empowered to accomplish the things that even Jesus could accomplish. To communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. And that when we finish the course, we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. John tells us in 1 John 1, 3, that we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What John is trying to say is, as we have a relationship with Christ, we deepen in that relationship. We deepen in our fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a common denominator, and it's Christ and Christ alone. And he says, not, not only will we fellowship together, but our fellowship, John says, is with the Father and his son Jesus. That fellowship, it is an indication that when we give our lives to Christ, we are to have that intimacy with him. Intimacy with the Father will allow us to know him and his power and will allow us, even in the struggles and the challenges of life or the decisions that we're on the fence about, that we will be able to understand and be obedient to him. Intimacy with the Father as we live our life means that we're going to understand his heartbeat. We're not going to have to try to figure out what in the world is God's will for me because he's not hiding it. If we are feeling his heartbeat and feeling what his desire is, then we're going to understand what God desires for us to do. That interests me. It takes a lot of questions out of life. It doesn't mean life's any easier, but it says... Here's how we can move forward in this. But it all hinges on the intimacy with Jesus Christ. Secondly, it says intimacy with the Father provides direction and guidance. 
I saw a, um, a sign on the back of a, uh, of a trailer one time. It said, if I'm not heading west, please stop me and turn me around. <laughs> what was he saying? Well, he said, I need guidance. If, if I get off the mark, I want somebody to guide me back where I need to be. And for this person, it was to the west. We discern God's will as we spend time with him in prayer, as we spend time in his word, studying and understanding it, and also in communing with his spirit, allowing his spirit to speak to us in our time of Bible study and prayer and devotion. And so we get into our time with God, if it's a scheduled time every day, and, and we read the scripture, we ask God to give us insight. We have our prayer time asking him to take away any sin that might hinder us and give us insight by the power of his spirit. And he will do that. And as we are going through that process of praying and reading and studying his word, we have this time of silence where God speaks to us through his spirit. And so don't just get up and walk away when you finish. Basin in, 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 the, in the glory of God's Spirit speaking to you. And listen to what he says. The psalmist said in Psalm 143.8, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. What an interesting phrase. Show me the way that I should go. Down deep in our heart, there's always this desire to have the guidance that God can give in life. I read of a pilot who was following a heavily traveled two-lane road, and uh, there was a car that caught his attention. And the car would pull out trying to, uh, to pass this semi-trader, and every time that he would pull out, there would be oncoming traffic, and he had to pull back in. And so because of the, uh, of the heavy traffic, because of the no passing zones on a two-lane road, he just kept going out and in, out and in. <laughs> and the pilot said to himself, he said, man, if I could just talk to that man in the car, I could tell him exactly when it was safe to pass. And you know as well as I do that God is the ultimate pilot. And his perfect knowledge is exactly what we need to guide our life. He sees far beyond where we can see. Where we, all we might see is the fog of life, he sees beyond the fog. And so for us to get through the struggles and the trials of life, we really need to stay in contact with him in that intimate relationship so that when we don't know what to do and we don't see what's ahead, we listen to him so that he can guide us. And tell us when it's safe to move forward. And he will speak to us. He promises that. So prayer, spending time with him and his word, his presence, growing closer and more intimate with him, learning to listen, he will give us direction and guidance in the course of our life. The psalmist's desire was for God to show him the way to go. That was his prayer. And that should be our cry as well. And let me tell you, when we do cry out to God saying, show me the way to go, we can be assured that God will hear us. John said in 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Kind of a key phrase, according to his will, 
If we have an intimate relationship with God, we're feeling the heartbeat of God, the desire of God. We understand what his will will be. Therefore, we know that whatever we ask in him for direction and guidance, no matter the challenges of life or what we cannot see, he's going to hear us. He's going to respond to us. Intimacy with the Father will allow us to receive direction and guidance on a daily basis if we'll just follow him. Third, the scripture says that intimacy with the Father allows us to bring needs before him. By the time we get to this stage of life, we realize that life is difficult, that it's tough, it's exhausting, it's frustrating. There are so many different challenges that we have or are or will face. God's desire is to meet our needs. God's desire is to walk beside us as we journey through those challenges of life, no matter what they are. Intimacy with the Father allows us to bring our needs before him and say, God, these are overwhelming to me. I don't know if I can do this on my own. And of course, he's saying, you don't have to because I'm there and I'll help you. I might not move those obstacles out of the way, those life events that hit us so hard. But he says, I will walk with you through those even very dark times in the valley. We find that... Uh, God's word gives some prayer promises that are important for all of us to apply on our daily lives. First, he says God's promises to renew our strength and to walk with him. He, he promises that in Isaiah 40 and verse 31. But those who hope, the word means wait, in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. As we look at this particular verse, what we find is the overarching theme is that no matter what we face, God promises to be with us, to empower us, to renew our strength. Sometimes we say, I'm giving the white flag up. I can't go a step farther. And that's probably true in our own strength. But the scripture promises through God speaking through the prophet of Isaiah is I will give you that energy. I will give you that boost when all looks dark and dreary. I'm the one who will be there. And I will help you to soar, to be renewed in your strength. Secondly, God promises that through prayer we can find grace to help us in our great time of need. Writer of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The writer is trying to get us to understand that where we get that time of help in our time of need is before God. The throne of grace references our understanding of coming before the Almighty. Coming before the creator of the universe who created us. And through Christ's blood, recreated us. And he says, I 
I can take care of, of your needs. And so the writer says, so when we go before God in our prayer time, we can go with confidence. Confidence is that knowing that whatever I come to and ask, it will be a reality. He goes on to say, to receive the mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You notice what he didn't say. He didn't say that he would take away those, those difficult times, but that we would, we would find grace and mercy in those times. He would, he would, he would give us the mental ability and emotional ability through him powering us to get through the most difficult times of life. Third, we find God promises to deliver the righteous from trouble. Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them, and he delivers them from their troubles. He promises that those who are righteous, who have a right standing before God, who, who are seeking God, and in this instance we understand those who have that intimate relationship with God, he says, he's going to guide you through those times of troubles. You're going to come out on the other side. God is going to make it okay for you in this life or the life to come. He's got this. And so don't fret. Don't be anxious. In fact, that takes us to the fourth promise. God promises us peace as we make our requests known to him. One of the things I hear most often are the people that, that, that just don't have a peace about things that are going on in their life or, or in their relationships, their families, or in this world. But be reminded of what Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Intimacy with God will bring us to the place where we don't have to be anxious about things. And there's a difference between being anxious and stressed and, and uh, being concerned. We are concerned about the welfare of people around us. But we turn those to God because we know that everyone who calls upon the Lord, he's going to take care of them. The scriptures have already said that. So he says, listen, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, doesn't leave out anything, in everything by prayer and petition, meaning that God expects us to go to him. For those who think, well, I don't want to bother God with this minor thing. You're not bothering God. Maybe you're bothering your own time schedule, but you're not bothering God. He knows you. He cares about you. He loves you. He lives inside of you. He already knows what your issues are. So you're not bothering him. He says here, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your minds and your hearts in Christ. And isn't that what we want? 
even in a tumultuous world, even when our world is turned upside down, what we want is that inner peace. It's the peace of God, not one that we fabricated ourselves. Not the solutions that we tried to figure out and work around in our lives. But it's the peace of God that we can't even understand because we have finite minds. But it's the peace of God, he says, that will bring us in our minds and our hearts. Peace. Peace. It's a promise. Intimacy with the Father will allow us to bring our needs before him. And he promises to sustain us. Alas, we find that intimacy with the Father enables us to bear spiritual fruit. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, he says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither, you can, uh, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Time to time, I give you an update about my tangelo tree in my backyard. You might or might not remember that two years ago, I got 22 tangelos for my tree. I was so excited and proud. And last year, I got zero. None. Not a one. And so I got with a landscaper, and, uh, and I said, what are we going to do about this? And he said, well, first thing you do is don't... Don't trim that tree into a pretty decoration because you're killing all the fruit, <laughs> the fruit uh, producing vines that are the new growth. And so he began just minimally cutting things, taking the, uh, uh, those, uh, those sucker branches off or shoots off. And so he did his work. And then I, through the year, uh, periodically would put nitrate and some other fertilizer around it. And lo and behold, this year I have over 60 tangelos. I'm so excited to know you can't have any. <laughs> oh, I am so excited about that. God commands us to bear fruit. And, and we find that the only way to do so, according to Scripture, is to remain in the vine. Jesus said, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. So it's not even a question of whether you'll bear or not. If, if you're connected with him and you really have that intimacy with him and you're striving to be obedient to him, you will bear spiritual fruit, whatever that looks like. So the key to bearing fruit is not knowledge or education or attendance. All those things are good as believers but rather it is the intimacy with the Father. If we have an intimate relationship with him, he will guide us, he will empower us, and he will provide for us the ability to produce fruit. Developing an intimate relationship with the Father, I promise you it takes time, it takes work, and it takes commitment. But remember what Paul said, the benefits, the benefits of an intimate relationship with him. To know God more deeply, to have that relationship. 
Secondly, to receive guidance and direction daily in our decisions. Third is to bring our needs before him and know he's going to take care of them. And fourth is enable us to bear spiritual fruit. So my question in our invitation time is, are you willing to do what's necessary to have that intimate relationship with God? To adjust whatever you're doing in life, whatever level of relationship you have with the Father, and to take the next step. You still thinking about that? Well, consider Job 23.12. He says, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. And we all know Job. He had a hard time. And yet, he says, even in the midst of that, I haven't departed from what God what God's commands are. In fact, let me tell you even more distinctly. He said, I have treasured his word, his living word in my heart more than even the daily food. And when we get to the place that we treasure our earthly time with God, our time and communication and our intimacy with him, that we treasure that and we will do that even more than our daily bread, than our mealtime. And God is going to use us powerfully. And we're going to have an intimacy with him that will change everything in this year. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I just ask and I pray that you will give us understanding, a commitment today to go deeper with you, to more, be more intimate with you, and Father, it's a simple commitment where people are in their pews right now. Just to make that commitment, I promise God, I want to go deeper with you. I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection that will give guidance and direction. That you'll meet my daily needs. That God, I will be able to produce spiritual fruit. And I'll be what you want me to be. And the purpose that you put me here. So, Father, I pray as people are making those decisions and praying right now or through this invitation that you'll hear them and, Father, you will affirm them and it will be a spiritual marker day for them today. For those that don't know you, I pray, God, that they will choose to give their lives to you today during this invitation. And for those who want to come to join or to rededicate their lives, Father, we welcome them. We ask you to bless them in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand and sing our invitation hymn.
seat if you would. Um, in, your, uh, in your bulletin there is an insert, that I a couple of inserts. One is uh, the Going Deeper with God conference. It's the blue one and it has a schedule and all. I hope that you'll read through that and sign up for the things, uh, the meals that we're going to have. This is a great conference. Dr. Frizzell and I have been uh, friends for almost 25 years now. Uh, he's crisscrossed the country and, and uh, around the world in, uh, in leading prayer conferences, conferences on the holiness of God. And so that Friday night, Saturday morning, and Sunday morning are going to be very special times. So take a look at it. We would appreciate that. In addition, uh, you'll find the, uh, another insert called the FBC, Sun City West Emergency Action Presentation. Uh, this is information we want you to have. Um, as you know, uh, we have a security team. I think are made up of about 12, 12 people. Uh, they go through all kinds of training. In fact, uh, last January they went through uh, training with Maricopa County counterterrorism team um, and invited other churches in the community, and we had representatives from them uh, for the sole purpose of keeping you safe. <laughs> Every single Sunday and other events that we have, we have security team members. You may or may not know who they are. That they're uh, patrolling the uh, the grounds. Uh, they're here inside. Uh, they're just keeping watch over us. But we thought it would be a good idea uh, for you to know and to understand that if if there were some kind of event, security event that happens here during a morning worship service, what in the world would you do? So I've asked Casey Boss, who is the uh, head of our uh, team leader for our security team. Uh, Casey spent 40, 45 years in law enforcement. Um, so we're, we appreciate that very much. To come and uh, take about five minutes and share some of the things that if there were an event in our service or somewhere in our facility while people are here, these are the kinds of things that we'd like for you to know. Okay, Casey? Thank you, Pastor. In this day, in this current age, in the state of our society, unfortunately, bad things sometimes happen at churches. As Pastor said, we started a security team. And by the way, the security team can be identified, member, members can be identified by these, these lanyards or tags that they wear. And we also have a medical team that can be identified the same way. These ladies wear name tags, and they can be identified uh, the same way. So let me give you a couple of thoughts here about what you as the audience can do to not only help stay safe, but to be safe as well. The, the special duties and the responsibilities of the security team, just to explain it a little bit, is to maintain a watchful eye while making rounds 
ensuring assigned area is properly patrolled and monitored. What that means is there's normally a security person on the outside patrolling the parking lots. They stay in walkie-talkie radio contact with other security pers personnel team at all times and are prepared to respond as needed. You may have noticed the six radios back there. Each one of the security team members carries a radio that they maintain contact with each other if necessary. So the security team will also respond with the medical team to certain the medical emergencies as well. First of all, I want to take a few minutes to explain that what we would like you as the audience to do to help us out. In a medical emergency, if it hasn't already been spotted or pointed out, we would like for you to point it out, just stand up and point out the, the security team will notice and the medical team will notice as well. And we ask you then to get away from the person. If the person may be sitting in the middle of the pew, we would ask that the pew empty so that the security, or so that the medical team uh, can respond and assess and treat the individual. We had an incident several months ago, almost a year ago now, of a fire alarm going off. We would ask that if you have hear a fire alarm going off or smell smoke or something like that, we would ask that you do something to notify the security team. In most cases, in probably every case, the security team will already be aware of it. In, in the case that there is a fire alarm going off, we ask you to do nothing until the security team or the pastor or uh, the, the ushers will show you which exit to use if necessary. Most of the time, fire alarms, it's not necessary to leave the facility. Now, on occasions, you may see or hear of an unruly or disruptive individual coming into the church to interrupt, disturb the, the services. Uh, First of all, I think these people are satanic and are led by Satan because Satan doesn't like the church. However, these individuals will be dealt with by the security team and the ushers only, okay? Do not try to get up to confront the individual. Do not try to run and leave. Just remain calm where you're at. The security team will then, I don't wanna use the word confront, but they will approach the individual and attempt to do whatever is necessary to get the individual to settle down. If you see one of the security team members using some kind of physical method, they're trained in that, okay? It's pretty difficult for a little guy like me to take a six foot seven guy and, and get physical control of them. If you see the security team physically taking this person, don't do anything on your own. Just stay where you're at. Don't scream, don't yell, don't holler. Just pray that the security team member is strong enough to take care of the situation. Now, how many of you recently have heard of situations where the church had an active shooter? Active shooters are real. However, 
in the case of an active shooter here, they, these people are, they want to do is kill people. They also want to draw attention to themselves. The best way to avoid showing them that, that you, you are kind of trying to ignore them is to stay calm. Stay completely calm. It's going to be hard to do, but remain calm. Remain seated where you're seated. If possible, lay down on the bench, or if possible, and again, uh, our flock uh, may not be able to do that as readily as a young man like, well, I don't see any, so. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you. <laughs> and it's gonna be very difficult for you to remain calm. It is, however, I'm gonna give you a passage that's gonna help you to try to remain calm. Now, when the police get here, and, and they will, do what they tell you to do. If they tell you to raise your hands, that's for their safety and for their protection. They have no idea who the shooter is amongst our congregation. They, they, they will need to have you respond exactly in the way that they ask you to do. Don't make any quick moves toward officers or hold on to them for safety. 45 years in law enforcement, I can tell you people like to grab cops. They think that the cops are, are, are a, a sign of safety or something like that. So just let them do the work. The thing that we would, I can't stress to you enough, and it's going to go strictly against what you've been trained all of your life, is that you want to fight, you want to approach, you want to deal with the situation. Don't do it in an, in an active, don't do it in any situation we ask you here at the church to let the security team, and the security team has been trained in how to deal with active shooters. Uh, it, it just, don't do anything. It's gonna be hard to do. And, and, and some of you are gonna sit there, well, I'm gonna head for the door and get out of here. The problem with that is, is based upon our nature of our people, uh, we are recommending at this point, at this point, that you probably should just remain where you're at. And I'll give you a reason to do that. And I think it was touched upon a little bit this morning by the pastor, but God is so good. This past week, as I was studying for my Sunday school lesson, guess what the passage was? Psalm 91. Psalm 91. If you don't remember anything that I've said this morning, I would like for you to read Psalm 91. Psalm 91 will tell you that God's protection in the midst of danger, God doesn't promise a world free from danger, but he does promise his help whenever we face danger. Also, just one more thing, getting back to the active shooter. I know some of you in this church carry. Does anybody know what the word carry means? If you don't know what it means, don't worry about it because it won't apply to you. 
But for those of you that carry, we would like for you, if at all possible, to meet with the security team on January 18th at three o'clock in the afternoon in room 112. We would love to meet you. We would love to show you what, what we would like for you not to do or to do. And secondly, if you're interested in becoming a member of the security team, meet us that day as well. That's January 18th and it's at three o'clock in the afternoon. The team will be meeting and uh, I think I'm going to invite the medical team so that uh, everybody will be on the same page, okay? Also, I'm sure some of you have some questions. Now is not the time to ask them, unless you brought lunch. I didn't, so I'll, I'll be leaving. But on the 18th of January, you may just, you're welcome to come to the meeting and ask questions, get more clarification. If you still have some, some questions or are confused about some things, feel free to ask me, ask pastor or one of the security team members, okay? Thank you so very much. Do you want to do your thing? How come you didn't clap when he preached? <laughs> In both lobbies, there are a number of sign-up sheets. Let me just call your attention to it quickly. The men's ministry event, which will be on, <clears throat> excuse me, the 16th of January. You're going on a hike, but you need to sign up for that. Partners on Mission Potluck, which will be this Wednesday at 4. There's a sign-up in the lobbies for that. There's also a sign-up to begin the 2024 Dinner Fellowship Groups, and those will be February through May. So sign-ups are in both lobbies. And last but not least, the movie, which will be the story of Kurt Warner, and that will be on January the 25th. If you're coming to the movie, you do not need to sign, but if you're coming for lunch, we do need you to sign. Dr. Kennedy. Casey, Casey thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, there's also the volunteer medical team uh, has a, uh, a conference here on the 16th. And is it not on the 16th? Oh, it's been postponed. Then that will come later. <laughs> uh, Charles, Pamela, would you come up? I had a delightful visit with the Edmondsons this week. And to just come right, right in the center up here, if you would. They're re recent uh, uh, residents of Sun City West and uh, just uh, learned about their, their story and their life and their relationship with the Father. And uh, we are so excited. They're coming today to join the church by statement. Both have accepted Christ and been, uh, and been immersed, baptized. And uh, we're excited to have you all. You are just uh, remarkable, remarkable people. Um, all in favor of accepting them, if you'd show that by the sign aye. aye. And if you're against that, the sign no. You guys made it in good. <laughs> <laughs> If you'll just hang right here, okay? I'm going to, uh, uh, Tom and we, would y'all come and stand, stand over here? Would you mind being in front of everybody? These are two of our Bible study teachers, and I usually like to have somebody up here standing with you, so 
Tom teaches the servants class and we teach the ladies class. So they'll be right up here with you so that you're not standing by yourself. But in just a moment, after our closing prayer, our folks are going to come around and give you the right hand of Christian fellowship. They're saying two things. Number one, welcome to your family. And number two, we're going to be praying uh, for you and working beside you in these days ahead and look forward to, uh, to what God has us to accomplish together. Okay? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, all right. We are excited. I hope you'll get to know these folks. Uh, they have quite the history. So, if you would, yeah, take some time to do that. Okay. Let's stand for our closing prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you with grateful hearts, Father. Grateful hearts and blessed hearts, Lord, for the service that we had this morning. God, we just thank you for this church, Father, and we thank you for not only the lessons that it teaches, but the challenges it issues as well. That we go out now this week, Father, we pray, and you'll lead us and guide us as we uh, deliver your message to the world, to our community, to our neighbors, Father. And God, again, Lord, we just uh, pray that you'll continue to keep this place safe, Lord, and keep watching over us, as you promised in Psalm 91, Lord, that. We will have problems, but you will be with, the, with us when these occur. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen.